Ladies and gentlemen, you know exactly what time it is. Wildcat formation on a Friday. WXVU 89.1 Villanova Radio on Spotify. I'm your host, Anders Pryor. Happy opening week, everyone. Baseball's back. Football's buzzing. Basketball's heading into the playoffs. Great time to be a sports fan. I'm going to call it right now. I, as an, as a, as a little bit of a sleeper kind of thing, I like the Phillies to, uh, to, to win the NL East over the Braves and the Mets. I think that Harper, Cassianos, and uh, Schwarber is just too overpowered of a trio to just to not you know just overpower other teams with offense. And then Zach Lawyer is just going to be Zach Lawyer. So that's something that I'm gonna I'm gonna call it here. You, you heard it here first. And you you might want to keep it on that NBA. Everything's getting excited. Everything's warming up really nicely. Lakers such an embarrassing uh, collapse. I really despise LeBron's kind of disconnected, unengaged, above it all, nose up, looking down attitude towards the whole thing. Made this mess and refuses to clean it up for himself. That's not my business. They'll deal with that however they deal with that in whatever dysfunctional way they decide to do it. But everyone else, Bucks, Suns, Grizzlies have been exciting. Celtics, I don't buy the Heat as much. I don't like their roster really. But uh, Phillies, Bulls, Raptors made a late comeback surprise. Cavs have been really fun and enticing. Um, I think the Mavs have in transition Spencer Dinwood into their offense essentially flawlessly. So really excited. A lot of cool stuff coming up. Got a good show for you guys today. Thank you all for tuning in. So the draft is in a couple weeks. Um, it's coming up. Everyone who knows me knows that I am an absolute nerd about the draft, about prospects, about fit about draft strategy, draft trades, picks, everything. It's just fun. It's just cool and fun to speculate. It's cool to fun to take guys at different levels and just try to, you know, confront everything together into a kind of project that a team kind of put together. I don't think this draft, this particular one that we're going into, is as top-heavy, right? There's no Trevor Lawrence or Miles Garrett, but it's a very deep class in terms of how many can't miss guys uh there really are i think um especially at um offensive tackle and wide receiver uh and edge as well these are this is a great class for those three positions particularly it's not as strong of a quarterback class um it's not as strong as a of a secondary like corner class um past like the second round it, it kind of dives off pretty quickly um but I think there's a lot of really great prospects that are going to be able to be selected. Now, I think because this class is so deep that it gives certain teams a lot of strategy flexibility in terms of how they can approach and where they can draft certain needs. Now, there are guys who we know, and next episode is going to be my mock draft episode where I just go straight through, you know, top to bottom, one through 32, the first round, give you my projections. There are guys who we know are going to get picked inside the top 10, 12. We, like, we all know, you know, Neil, uh, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Hamilton, Stingley, Gardner, Wilson, and that whole, you know, liking Iquanu, etc. But I think that there are some guys 
who are going to get taken on day two, right? Any mid second round to like early fourth round. There are some guys in that kind of area that I genuinely think can get you like first round proper return. And so I have six of them. I have six guys in this upcoming draft, uh, five offensive and one uh, defensive that I think are going to blow the socks off of a bunch of people coming into the season. And so I want to give you those six players and these six players that I think are day two picks and kind of give you some speculation about why I like them so much and why I think they can give you this value. And then just players that I think that I, I where I watch them, I'm like, that's a first round pick, but for whatever reason, they're not. And so I'm going to give you them. And these are people that I'm really excited about where whoever I think is going to draft these guys, they're going to get an absolute steal. Let's start with who I think is easily the single most underrated not being talked about enough prospect in this draft. I've seen a couple mocks now where he goes very late into the first, but I, I think people do consider him a second round pick, but it is someone who I think is going to be robbed later in the draft. That's going to get such a significantly talented player. And that is uh, Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle out of Tulsa. He can play both sides of the line. Left tackle is his kind of natural position, but he can play both. Um, you can see when they, whenever they pull him, it's very natural for him. So he can his hand technique translates into both sides of the line of scrimmage. He has essentially the same build as Evan Neal, who a lot of people would consider to be the number one pick in this draft over Hutchinson. Um, I think Smith is probably about an inch shorter, or maybe 10 pounds lighter. Um, but they they both, in the same way, you just look at them and you can just tell how physically unusual they are compared to literally everyone else. Um, they have essentially the same build, but what you'll notice that, that what Neil's main criticism is, and this is why people think he might fall to three or four, is that he is slow. He does have slower feet. Once he gets to his position, he's impossible to get by, but it takes him a little bit longer to get there than it should in some people's minds. Tyler does not have that issue. His feet are a lot faster. He's able to get in place and bend with edges a lot faster, and that is really appealing to me. Um, if you watch his combine footage, he demonstrated amazing balance uh, in his feet drills. His footwork is super fundamental. When he goes from horizontal to vertical, and there are a couple different drills, the the stepping drills and that that kind of test that, his first step is super explosive. It, it was very Ikemikwanu in just the way that he kind of was able to just, you know, kind of get into formation, do it, and then just burst out and let all of his athletic let all of his athletic momentum just go out forward. And so that was really appealing to me. So I, I do think he's going to go early to the mid-second round, but I do think he realistically could be taken in, like, picks 20 through 25 and be just as good as some of the other kind of mid-tier tackles that are going to be taken in that area. Next person, number two, and this is someone who I've seen go as late as the fifth round in certain mocks, but I think could be legitimate, solid, like, third-round pick, and that is Luke Fortner, the center from Kentucky. 
Um, he mainly plays center, but he has. But if he wanted to play guard, he could. He has the shoulders. If you look at his build, he's very top heavy. He has the shoulders to be able to take on defensive tackles just straight on. He's very disciplined hands. He he plays them really light. The way that he moves them and shifts them is really just fundamentally sound and just shifty, creative. And so I think that in terms of a one-on-one, you know, in a system, we'll see how he is because every NFL team is different. But in terms of just one-on-one uh, matchup ability, I think that he's really smart and really knows what he's doing and I think has the kind of upper shoulder strength to really be able to stand toe-to-toe uh, with uh, tackles of kind of bigger size, um, if that makes sense. So I think that whoever gets him, I think that if, if you're a rebuilding team and you're looking to upgrade your line, you could get this guy in the fourth round, third round, I would even say. Have him come in to start at center and be totally okay with it. He's, he's, he can start from day one. He can stay healthy. And so I, I, really, I really like Luke Forner. Number three, and this is someone whose stock has I've seen skyrocket. Um, if you look at a lot of different, um, like just straight up recruit talent rankings, this guy has gone from being in the 120s to I've I've seen him go now as high as being in like 77, 76 area, um, which is Dylan Parham, uh, the guard from Memphis. He's shorter. He's only six three, which is why I think he probably won't get picked as early as someone with his talent might because as we just get athletes just get bigger and stronger you kind of need that just physical shielding um especially with some shorter and more mobile quarterbacks um but he does have the raw strength in his arms to be able to use his height difference to get low and push upward and i think that gives him a really nice run blocking advantage compared to some other guards and he's very fast too because of his height he's a little lighter i think he only reaches about 265 and so his ability to be used horizontally in screens uh in guard in pulling whatever it may be um his horizontal kind of leverage that he can provide um with that speed and power in his hands i think for any kind of team that kind of runs like a play action kind of system and wants to kind of play fast in a play action this guy would fit right in and again his combine was great great center of balance really fundamentally sound played um just with a really high set of intensity but i think as of his skills are specific and so that would make a team with specific needs at that position really it would make it very easy for them to draft him and kind of put him in a system so i think he's going to be someone to look out for that's going to get drafted a lot higher than people think project somewhere around in the late 60s early 70s is where he might end up going now moving away from the O-line, this is the one receiver I have in this group. And again, like Parham, he's someone whose draft stock skyrocketed, and that is Christian Watson, um, out uh, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State, who I, in my opinion, is the perfect modern-day NFL wide receiver. Uh, six foot five, 208 pounds, ran a 4.36 official time, when I watch him, I'm I feel like there's a lot of DK Metcalf there. I think there's also, in terms of physical build and structure, there's a lot of Traylon Burks there too. 
just so many things to like he's great he's a great sense of of spatial awareness when he's looking away from defenders you can kind of feel what the defensive play is um very Kadarius Tony like and he's just able to kind of shift based off how he feels out his environment in a way that's just really instinctual which to me translates into his ability to make his own plays which is really hard to do at his size he's great in small spaces when he's pushed up against the sideline again that ability to make his own plays when he's when he's pinned up against one of the edges he knows how to kind of use his athleticism and use his momentum to kind of get away from the defender which is able to translate into kind of getting downs in some short yardage situations you kind of use him on those all of those side passes he kind of has that i mean it's it's obviously a very different position obviously it's a very extreme example but he kind of has that similar kind of aura of where of Derrick Henry where when he runs and you watch him run he's running downhill like he gets faster the longer he runs and it's very clear to see that and so that's going to be able to help him escape leverage against faster safeties and so if you're in a situation where you're in a trio look and you have three to one side and then you would put Watson on the other side um, he would be able to beat out faster safeties over to able to able to cover the field. And I think that's a really good night. That's a perfect scheme to use him. And again, his strengths are super clear, so it's very going to be very easy to scheme him open. And he could create his own stuff too after the catch. You don't have to kind of get him out in a bunch of space. So he's going to have a lot of versatility as to what he can do. So, and again, he's just really hard to take down um, because of his just size and power. So there's a lot to like about him. He's probably, he's he's going to go in the second round, I think. I think about a month ago, two months ago, he would have gotten the third. Don't be surprised if, you know, I mean, if if the Packers can, you know, pick up this guy, I feel like the Titans would be a good fit too. There's a lot of really t- good teams that are kind of looking to take that next step, fill out some holes. I think it would be a great fit. So I'm really excited to see where he lands up. Fifth guy, and this is, Again, someone that I'm very excited about. Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, who I think is genuinely the best tight end in this draft. His combine footage is out of this world. He did absolutely every single exercise, every single drill, and every single procedure at full speed from start to finish. He was the only one who was able to do that. Um, When I watch him... I am watching Kyle Pitts. I am watching this kind of unicorn wide receiver, tight end blocking receiving hybrid with incredible athleticism and an incredible build. Pitts does have a little bit of a height advantage over him, but all the physical mechanics are there. He's so explosive, has such an incredible high motor. His versatility, if you watch his footage, is off the charts, can do so many things really well. When you look at his numbers, you're looking at wide receiver numbers. You really are. But he is six foot four and 240 pounds. He can block. He can block effectively, especially uh, at the goal line. And because he was a receipt, because he's known as such a receiving threat, it's going to stretch out the defense more horizontally. And so I really do think that he he is an immediate kind of impact player because of his tools. I'm really enthusiastic about him. I don't think it's close. I really do think that he's going to come out and just make a immediately impact at the tight end position uh, compared. There was no one. There were other good tight ends in that uh, group. I think Austin Allen was really underrated. I think Jelani Woods was really impressive. But there was not any 
other tight end that looked anything close to like what he was doing, and I'm really excited to see where he ends up. The last person is the only um, defensive player that I have on this list. He is someone that I have been on for a while and that I am super excited to watch play at the pro level, which is Cameron Thomas, the edge out of San Diego State. When you watch him, it's literally every single thing that you want in an edge rusher. High velocity, high motor, super powerful, technically refined, physically overwhelming. He's ferocious. He reminds me a lot of Jermaine Johnson, who's an edge rusher out of Florida, who's going to go in the first round. To me, they're essentially the same player. Jermaine Johnson is my personal, he's my personal favorite edge rusher in this draft. I would take I I would absolutely if I had the, if I had a top pick I would trade down to get multiple first so I could spend one of them on him that's how much I like him to me Cameron Thomas can provide you a lot of the same kind of physical stuff and just in terms of how just overpowering and smart he is he's able to bend late which is a criticism because if you watch it's, it's a criticism a lot of the first round proper first round picks that are edges Kevon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, George Karloftis. Trevon Walker doesn't quite fit into this much as into this category, but if you compare Thomas to a lot of these other guys, Aiden Hutchinson is not one of the criticisms that he is that when he rushes, he is when he when he, he kind of makes his first push and then he goes, he kind of walks around instead of bends around. And then he kind of just stops and he kind of needs to be the fastest person on the field in order to kind of make his plays happen, which is going to be harder to do at the pro level. Um, Obviously, in terms of Thibodeau, he's bigger than Thibodeau and in my opinion has just as much athleticism. And then Karloftis, edge out of Purdue, who a lot of people are have been very high on for a while, he kind of has a defensive equivalent of the issue that we talked about earlier with Evan Neal, which is that he's going to make his first push down the middle, almost in kind of a straight line. And then when he, if he fails to do it, his feet kind of just stop. A lot of people have been saying that he should, wherever he goes, he should be moved to the inside, which I completely agree with, but Cameron doesn't really have any of those issues. His feet are always moving. He's able to bend really easily. He has plenty of size to get over and his speed, I don't know what his 40 time is because he doesn't participate, but it, it, if you look at it on tape, it's really his, it's really impressive, especially with respect to bending and changing his, uh, direction. Um, I think he's going to be an immediate impact some person. I think he would also be, because of his such as all of his unique features, his size and speed kind of combination is so rare. I think him in a 3-4 system with a nose tackle, I think you can make so many creative rush pass kind of blitz combinations with his skill set. And so I really hope a team, maybe like the Falcons who run a lot of 3-4, um, could really use someone like him. So I'm really excited to learn uh, to figure out where he eventually ends up. That's going to be everything for today, guys. Go make those mocks. Go make those predictions. Get your draft parties together. It's coming sooner rather than later. I've been your host, Anders Pryor, Wildcat Formation, WXVU 89.1 on Spotify. Happy Sunday. Happy opening week. Go Cats. Stay classy.